Thank you so much for joining us for this message. Whether you're watching for the first time or you're simply catching up on a message that you missed, we're so glad that you are connecting to God's Word today. Our hope is that as you listen to the message, you'll experience a real encounter with God. Please consider giving financially to support God's work through our ministry. You will find several options to do that by clicking on the word Give in the menu on our website at kentwoodcommunitychurch.com. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, brother. I'm going to ask the church, if you will, out of respect for God's word, would you stand and turn to Matthew? Pastor Debbie's going to help me. We're going to read Matthew chapter 1. We're going to read verses 18 to 25 out of the New Living Translation. I will start with verse 18. You will follow along with Pastor Debbie in verse 19. We'll go back and forth. Hear the word of the Lord. Matthew um, chapter 1, starting in verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 19. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. And he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Verse 21. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet, verse 23. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, verse 25. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Let's pray. And I'm asking today, Lord, that the words of my mouth, meditations of our hearts, will be pleasing in your sight. And as the prophet Samuel prayed long ago, we pray now, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Thank you, Pastor Debbie. You can have a seat. Well, I want you to know that this is the, you, hopefully you know this, this is the Sunday before Christmas, yeah, and uh, we're excited that uh, we would love for you to come out after, uh, after this on Christmas Eve. We have a service at 4 o'clock right in here. We have invites out there at KCC Central. If you want to invite people, if you can put that into your family tradition and plans, we'd love to see you this um, Friday, I think, is Christmas Eve. Am I right? Is it Friday? Friday at 4 o'clock right here. We'd love to celebrate the birth of Christ this Friday. Amen, church? But right now, I'm excited to be with you right here, right now, in the house of the Lord. I don't know any other place I would rather be than right here, right now, with you. Does anybody else feel that way this morning? Amen? Well, we've been looking and we realize that Jesus is the reason we celebrate Christmas. We've been looking at this whole season, this Advent is the anticipation of the coming one, and we've been actually preaching about the various things that the Emmanuel brings. We've been lighting the candles as a symbol of what those are. We've looked at um, his hope and his peace. Last week, Pastor uh, Debbie looked at joy, and today we're going to conclude by looking at love of God. Now, I want you to realize is that when we look at what we just read today, this story right here in Matthew chapter 1, 18 to 25, is the epitome of God's love story. It truly is. 
It shows us exactly how God is so engaged with you and me that he realized he's the only one that can save us. We are totally messed up, and he's truly trying to do something here. And then he said, as we read in verse 23, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him what? Are you following there? What will he be called? Say it again. What will he be called? And we know that means God with us. Catch it. 400 years they waited. 400 years. Can you imagine? That's four centuries since the last prophet of God had spoken. And in that meantime, the religious establishment had truly matured. And just like religious establishments do, they started to fight amongst one another. And they created their various groups that thought their truth is better than anybody else's truth. And my truth is right and yours is wrong. We see that with the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the Zealots and uh, the Essenes. And the list goes on and on and on. And here they are in the midst of all of this. And they are in the midst of fighting over minutia and all of these things. Doesn't it sound like today in 2021? And after 400 years of silence, here we have it. God himself, Jesus, the Emmanuel shows up. That is a game changer, a total game changer. The fact that he declares we are not alone. If you don't hear anything else today, may that be a reality. Would you repeat after me? Say, we are not alone. Make it first person. Say, I am not alone. If you believe that, my friends, it will change everything for you. I'm not talking about intellectually. I'm talking about in your heart. When you do life, that you know that you are not alone. We don't have to scream and shout to get his attention. Isn't that good news? We need to know that he's already there. And as a matter of fact, we can't get away from him even if we wanted to. He is with us through the thick and the thin. God is with us. There is no other religion that can declare that. Islam declares that God is loving, but he is distant and he's demanding. Hinduism declares that there are many, many millions of God, and all you need to do is to appease each and every one of them. We see that animism in its primal religion says that God is in everything. And then we have the philosophy of deism that says that God had the audacity to create everything that we see and then walked away and left us to fend for ourselves. And then atheism has the worst of all, declares that there is no God and all you see is it and you are on your own and you are alone. I am thrilled that we have a message that there is an Emmanuel that is with us through the thick and the thin. That's the beauty of the Christmas story. Can I get an amen? Not only is he with us, he is pursuing us. And I say that often because that's a really important truth to understand today that God is pursuing you and I even when we don't want him to pursue us. The love story, we all know it. God didn't just say, I love you. He demonstrated it, did he not? John 3, 16, God so loved who? God so loved who? Who is the world? I am the world. You are the world. God so loved you that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have what? Eternal life. 1 John 4, 16 declares the character of God. 1 John 4, 16, God is love. Whoever lives in God lives in love because God is love. Now, it's one thing to say God is love. It's an entire another thing to understand and see it played out. So here's what I want to do today as we unfold this because I believe this message 
is so critical in the world in which we live. We need to know the love of God like we have never needed it before. Does this resonate with anybody? We need this message of hope that God, in fact, is a God of love. He is. Whether you believe it or not does not change the fact that is who he is. That is the character of of the essence of who God is. Now, here's what I want to try to do. You all know that truth, and you're aware of it, but so often we don't live like that is true as it relates to God and as it relates to one another. And so I want to back up to the names of God that some of you are pretty familiar with. You know, in the Old Testament, you truly would never declare God or call God out because you would, you would be afraid that he would kind of knock you dead if you called out the name of God. So we have lots and lots of names of God in Hebrew that each one of those names, they have one uh, objective, and that is to declare a characteristic of who God is, that we would better understand him. And what you're going to see today, I'm going to give you seven Hebrew names of God. And what I want to do by describing those seven names that many of you know, that they actually point to the love of God. That once you know the character of God, each of those attributes point to the love of God. We know that he is Emmanuel. We know that he is with us. But how does his love actually uh, unfold in our day-to-day lives? So let's jump into seeing these names of God. The first Hebrew name of God that declares the love of God that he is with us, in fact, is the name Elohim. Can you repeat after me? Somebody say, Elohim. One more time, Elohim, which declares he is father and creator. Those are two good things. Not only is he father, but he is creator Elohim. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, Elohim created all that we see. Why did he create it? He created it because he wanted to enjoy us and love us. You fast forward to the creator, Elohim, and you move to um, Romans chapter 8, verse 15, and it declares that we have, once we receive him, we become uh, adopted. Once we receive the spirit of God, we've been adopted as his sons and daughters. That's really, really good news for us today to know that that is a reality for us. So he is father, and he is also, he is also creator. And we as adopted sons and daughters are able to call him, according to this verse, what? Abba, Daddy, Elohim. He is Daddy. Now, many of us in this this church and those of you online, we understand what adoption is. Many of us have adopted, including our family. And there's, before I explain the benefits of adoption, there's an implied in Romans 8, 15, that we are adopted into God's family, which says something It's implying that we already have a broken relationship with him when we are born. That is really hard to accept in today's world, 2021. But scripturally speaking, it declares in scripture that we have, when we were born, we were born with the seed of Adam. And by being born with the seed of Adam, we are separated from God and rebellious. That's why we have the Emmanuel that came to fix it. Can I get an amen? But adoption is a beautiful process. For any of us who have adopted a child, that child did not manipulate, that child did not do a tap dance to try to impress us. We unconditionally chose that child and said, you are now going to receive the benefits of this family. Number one, it's unconditional love. You take on our name. 
You take on all of the craziness of our family. You take on all the benefits of our family. You are as loved and as valued as a naturally born child of this family. You get all of the daddiness that I will give to the other children, I will give to you. That's what adoption means. We understand that in the physical realm as adoptive parents. But scripturally saying, Elohim is saying, I am that same Abba, Daddy to you, and I have adopted you in to this family. And so when you're going through this thing called life, and it is struggling, and it is tough, in that moment, he is the daddy that will be there to hold us when nobody else can hold us. Elohim will make it possible for you to get through. Can I get an amen? Now, what did Jesus say about this on the Sermon on the Mount? He said, hey, dads, you know how to give good gifts to your children, and you are wicked. How much more your Father in heaven is going to give good gifts to his children? If you ask for a fish, is he going to give you a snake? If you ask for a bread, is he going to give you a stone? Absolutely not. He is the Elohim. He is the one who loves us unconditionally and is there for us, which gives you and I what? Security today. You want to know the Elohim? The one that we call Emmanuel in love, the key point is God the Father loves us. And he's always there for us because he's our daddy, he's our Elohim. Can I get an amen? The second Hebrew name is not only Elohim, but El Shaddai. Somebody say El Shaddai. One more time, El Shaddai. He's not only Elohim, he's El Shaddai. And he shows us love because El Shaddai means he is God Almighty and he is all-sufficient. I love the fact that I serve a father, Elohim, that is not matched in his glory. He is not matched in his power. There is no one that can stand against him. We are not in, my friends, a dualism. We're not watching a television show wondering whether Satan's going to win. I'm here to declare to you Satan was created by the Almighty and the one who is El Shaddai. There is no contender. There's not even a, a, a battle to be fought because he has already won the battle. Can I get an amen, folks? And what we need to understand is that El Shaddai is not just only mighty in his description, but he is all-sufficient. Critically important to understand. Because you're saying, well, how does that have to do with love? Well, he did not create us because he needed us. He is complete in and of himself. He created us to enjoy us and to love us simply because he loves us and wanted to have a relationship with us. But we know we have walked away from that love relationship. Thus, the Emmanuel Jesus showed up to make it possible to build a bridge that we could be adopted again in his relationship. His love for us is motivated to sacrifice in every way possible. He is El Shaddai, which Psalm 91 says, in the moment that I need it, the Almighty, I can rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Isn't that good? When David faced the giant and he stood there before him, it was the El Shaddai that went before him. Can I get an amen to that? When Gideon took his 300 men to fight the Midianites in battle, it was the El Shaddai that went before him, the almighty God. This is what love is all about. Scripture continues to declare this. I can take you to Romans 8, 31, where it clearly declares, if God, if El Shaddai is for us, who can be against us? I'll declare it again. If God, El Shaddai, the almighty God, is for us, who can be against us? The implication is very clear. Absolutely nothing 
good news. Absolutely nothing can be against us because he is El Shaddai. And we know clearly in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, the El Shaddai. I want you to repeat after me. Say, I can do all things. You need, you need to say it as though you believe it. One more time, Casey. See, I can do all things. Through Christ, who strengthens me. What a difference that makes, isn't it? He is the El Shaddai. I can do whatever is thrown at me this moment. For none of us knows what happens when we open up those doors and go out on the roads after we say amen. But we have the confidence to know we got the El Shaddai that says, declares to us through Christ Jesus, the Emmanuel, that we can withstand anything that comes our way. I don't know of anybody that needs, uh, that can really experience that kind of security, but those truly have a relationship. The beauty of this love of God is that this El Shaddai, the power, all sufficiency of God, that power is accessible to you and it's to me. He wants it for all of us. I don't know how many times in my life, anybody else give a, give, give a testimony to it, that the exact moment you needed it, anybody with me? The exact moment you needed the El Shaddai, almighty power of God. When you needed it, he showed up. Can anybody else give a witness to that this morning? When you exactly needed it, he was there. Now, if you follow Jesus long enough, you know this, don't you? He may not do it when you want him to do it, and he may not do it the way you want to do it, but I'm here to declare to you today, he will do it. He clearly declares we are not orphans. We are not left to fend for ourselves. We have the almighty El Shaddai God. And what scripture says to us, what we must understand, his power, his El Shaddai, all everything, his power is made perfect what? In our weakness. The moment that I declare I can't is the moment that he shows up and shows out. Can I get an amen? He is the Emmanuel. He is the God who loves us because he is Elohim. He is Abba Daddy, but he's also El Shaddai. He is the almighty God who is engaged with us. And the key point is God of love is ready to give us the power for the victory of life. You ready to move on to the third Hebrew name that declares his love for us? That is not only Elohim and El Shaddai, but he is El Roy. Somebody say El Roy. Say it again, El Roy. He is the God who sees me. He sees me. And you go, what does that have to do with the love of God? I'm reminded of Hagar in Genesis 16. She was running for her life. She was in the lowest moment of her life. And in that moment, if you read it in Genesis 16, the angel of the Lord came down and ministered to her. To her. And after the angel of the Lord ministered to her, she clearly declared, she says, you are Elroy. You have seen me. And that has made all the difference in the world in my moment. Anybody been there, experienced that? I'm convinced that when Daniel was in the den of lions for following his God, Elroy saw him there. Anybody with me? I'm convinced that the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace, they were not by themselves. We know that from the story because Elroy saw them. I know that in Acts chapter 16, when Paul and Silas were beaten, bruised, battered, hungry, cold, discouraged, lonely, in the hard cell floor. They praised God and Elroy saw them and delivered them. You with me? 
And I know even this week, the 17 missionaries who have been trapped in the island of Haiti in those two months that we've been praying, that God, Elroy, saw them in that moment and released them in the name of Jesus. Can anybody give a hand clapping to God who is able? And you may say, wait a minute, does he see me? I can talk about Daniel and the three Hebrew children and the missionaries and Paul and Silas, but does he see me? And the point of the matter is he loves you so much that he sees you in your struggle. But not only does he see you in your struggle, here's the beauty of his love. He sees you and he sees me for who we really are. He sees us for our motives. He sees us what we think, what we feel, what we say, what we do in private. He sees it all, the good, the bad, the ugly. He sees it all, and guess what? He still loves you. That is Elroy, the God, Emmanuel, God with us. And that is a game changer, my friends. The key point is this. You are never alone. Jesus is with you until the end. How do we know that the Emmanuel God loves us? Because he is Elohim. He is daddy, he is creator. He's El Shaddai, he's all sufficient, almighty God. He's El Roy who sees you, Hebrew name number four. He is Jehovah Jireh. Somebody say Jehovah Jireh. One more time, Jehovah Jireh. He's the God who provides. He doesn't just see you and say, oh, I hope you get out. He not is just El Roy, he's a God who provides for you. You remember, you remember in Genesis 22 when Abraham, in verses 1 to 19, he's going to offer his son Isaac on the altar. He knew that God, he kept saying as he took his child up, Isaac, and he's like, Dad, where's the sacrifice? Where's the sacrifice? What did he say? God will provide. Jehovah Jireh will provide. And it wasn't, the beautiful thing about God's provision, it was in the exact moment that it needed to happen, right? And he stood out and he, he did something that, it was totally contrary to who God is. That's what all the other religions around were doing, sacrificing their children. So this did not make any sense, the God of Israel, because he was different. He was a God of mercy, and he wasn't going to make people take their children and sacrifice to appease the gods. And yet here he finds himself in something that's illogical, but it was all about testing Abraham. And in that moment when he raised the, the knife for the sacrifice on his son, where did he see? Jehovah Jireh provided, and there in the thicket, was the sacrifice. It wasn't until he stood up and he stepped out that he watched Jehovah Jireh in action. Many of us need that today. Are you willing to step up and step out and watch him be Jehovah Jireh in your life? Or do you feel like somehow God has a criteria, he has a quota? As I've said before, I'll say it again, there is no quota with God. Anybody excited about that? You don't have to worry about the big or the small. He is a God that is so able. He can take care of all of you, all of me, all of the world at the same time and have it perfectly in place because he is Jehovah Jireh. That is the God in whom we serve. Can you imagine Job when he was in the middle of his moment and lost everything? And in that moment as he was arguing with God and going through his emotional thing that we would all go through, and in that moment God shows up and he sees Jehovah Jireh provide specifically for him. Are you willing to be patient as Job was? James chapter five tells us we must be patient when we wait upon the Lord and his return. Just like the farmer is patient for the water for the crops, we must have the same kind of patience 
Because I'm here to declare to you Philippians 4.19, which declares clearly, my God will supply all of your needs, all of your needs, according to his riches in Christ Jesus. My God, my God, Jehovah Jireh, will provide all of your needs. Whether you believe it or not, won't change the fact that it is true. And you and I need to understand, we don't go a step ahead of him, and we don't go a step behind him. We go right in pace with him and let him be the Jehovah Jireh of our lives. And the reason and the motive behind all of it, because he loves us. He wants what's best for his children, does he not? He is the God of love. And what we need to understand today is that he is saying to us, there's no limit. It's for everybody. It's for all of you. Trust me in the small and trust me in the big. The key point is simply this. God loves. He loves us so much. And he will provide for his children. For he is Emmanuel, God with us. Because he is Elohim. He is Daddy God, Creator. He is El Shaddai. He's all sufficient. And he is Almighty God. He's El Roy and he sees you. And he's El Shaddai. He's El Jehovah Jireh. He provides for you. Let me give you the next Hebrew name that describes the love of God. He is Jehovah Nisi. Somebody say Jehovah Nisi. One more time. Jehovah Nisi which declares, the Lord is my banner. The Lord is my banner. And you might go, what is that? Exodus chapter 17, Moses is about to go to war and he raises, not only at the altar, he raises a declaration and called it to all of the troops to see, the Lord is our banner. What does that mean? He is ours and we are his. We are identified with him. Therefore, we can truly go to battle and knowing the Lord is our banner. How many of us, including myself, will go to a sporting game and we'll declare our banner all the time with our shirts and our hats and our banners as we worship and uh, come into these uh, sporting events. And he's saying to us, this is way better than that, that God is our banner. He is the one that is in charge of all of us. The question for us today as he loves us is, where is your identity? Where do you put your identity at? You can't go and you can't be until you understand who you belong to and where you are headed. He is my banner in all that I go through. I can tell you as I stand on this day, whatever today's date is in December of 2021, that after all of these years of following my Lord and all that I've gone through and still going through, I sense in my heart that he is more my banner this very moment than he has been any moment of my life. And that's the way it's supposed to be, is it not, my friends? Regardless of what we're experiencing, the Lord is my banner because he loves me and my identity. I'm connected to him, and I am not departing from it. Does anybody resonate with what I'm saying? I'm with him all the way through. To my last breath, he is Jehovah Nisi. He is my banner. He is Emmanuel. He's the God who loves us and with us because he is Elohim. He is Abba Daddy. He's El Shaddai, he's the almighty God. He's El Roy who sees us. He's Jehovah Jireh who provides for us. He is Jehovah Nisi who is our banner. But the next, the sixth name, Hebrew name of God, he is Jehovah Shalom. Somebody say Jehovah Shalom. He is my peace. Now we preached a whole sermon on that, but man oh man, if there's one thing that Christmas is all about, it is exactly that. Jesus tells us in John 14, and he again tells us in John 16, I'm leaving you all peace. I'm paraphrasing, paraphrasing. 
I'm leaving my peace. And it's not like peace in the world. And by the way, he warns us, doesn't he? You will have troubles in this world. But my peace, Jehovah Shalom, is upon you as you follow me and you can have it. And Colossians 3.15 tells us, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. It's a command. Let the peace of Christ. It is right there right now. Jehovah Shalom says, I want to grant all of you peace. Anybody listening to my voice today who are in turmoil, who are in a struggling moment, who their heart is flip-flopping because of all the things that are going on, the Lord wants to give you peace in the midst of that. He is Jehovah Shalom. Whatever it is you're facing today, he is truly going to give that to you. Can you imagine when Joshua was leading out as a young leader and he's overwhelmed with the walls of Jericho and he knows that Jehovah Shalom was the one that was going before him. He can do this. And Nehemiah, when he saw the, de de the devastation of the city of uh, uh, there, Jerusalem, and he, in that moment, as he wept and saw it, Jehovah Shalom came upon him, and he whizzed, let's get to work. Because once we have peace, we can move forward instead of feeling sorry for ourselves, weathering, knowing whether or not God truly cares for us. Jesus loves you and me so much that he desires that we would have peace regardless of the situation. And what an incredible gift to give the world that is desperately looking for it. And we've already found it in the one that we call Emmanuel Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? He, the key point is Jesus will grant peace for all that love him. For he truly is a God like no others. He is the one and true God. Let me give you the final, the seventh Hebrew name. But he is Emmanuel. He is the God who loves us because he's Elohim. He is Abba Daddy, the creator. He is El Shaddai. He is the almighty God. He's El Roy who sees you even when you don't want him to see you. He is Jehovah Jireh. He loves you so much. He will provide for you. He is Jehovah Nisi. He is your banner. And he is also Jehovah Shalom. He's your peace. But the final Hebrew name of God that declares that he truly is a God of love. He is Jehovah Rapha. Somebody say Jehovah Rapha. One more time, Jehovah Rapha. Which means he is the Lord, he is the God that heals you. He's the God that heals you. Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 17, he declares, Jehovah Rapha says, I will restore your health let me say it again, Jeremiah 30, 17, Jehovah Rapha declares, I will restore you to health and I will heal your wounds, declares Jehovah Rapha. From the word of God directly. And so what does Jehovah Rapha heal? Number one, he heals us from sin. John 1, 29, behold the Lamb of God who takes away what? The sins of the world. He is Jehovah Rapha. We need to first and foremost be healed from our sins. Can I get an amen? But he also is Jehovah Rapha who will heal us physically. He said to the man in Luke chapter 5, the paralytic, rise up, pick up your mat, and walk. He is Jehovah Rapha. He said to the dead little girl, Talitha Kulion, I say to you, get up and be healed. He is Jehovah Rapha that not only heals us from our sin but he heals us physically. But thirdly, he heals us emotionally. There are so many of us today that may not be facing a physical ailment. We may not be facing the sin because we've been forgiven, but we are facing an incredible emotional need. 
Let me remind you again from God's word because it's good news, isn't it? Psalm chapter 34, verse 18 declares, Jehovah Rapha is near to whom? The brokenhearted. You brokenhearted today? He declares, I'm super close to you because you are brokenhearted. And I am the one that will save the crushed spirit, the one crushed in their spirit. There are so many of us that, can, that are in this room or online who are exactly right here. And I'm here to declare to you the truth of God's word, that Christmas is more than a Christmas tree, and it's more than food, and it's more than a, a gift. It's about a God that so loves you that he came to this earth to live and experience all that we experienced in such a way that he could provide healing in our lives for every single one who calls on it in the name of Jesus. The question is not whether he's Jehovah Rapha. The question is whether or not you will receive it. Somebody's got to be fed up and say, enough is enough. I make my declaration. I'm going to draw the line in the sand, and I'm going to allow the healing of Jehovah Rapha this very day. Can I get an amen? Now, there is a part that we play in all of this. 2 James 5, 16, he says, confess your sins to one another, and then pray for one another, and then you will be healed. We got to be willing to trust one another to pray for each other, and to be able to pray for healing. And in the second we see in Ephesians 6, there are these things called strongholds in our lives. He says and declares a mandate. Break down every stronghold in your life by the name of Jesus Christ and denounce them and cast them away from you so that you can be free and allow the Jehovah Rapha to bring healing into your life. So what I'm trying to say, Scripture is more than just saying, Lord, heal me. There's a process that we have to do also. He's given us the instructions. May we grab people around us to confess our sins and pray for us. And if there's strongholds in our lives, that we would confess those strongholds and those areas we cannot control. And we denounce them in the name of Jesus. And we cast them out and we ask the Holy Spirit then to fill us. It's in that moment that all the difference begins in our lives. What is your need today? What do you need healing from? I'm here to declare to you today that Jesus is willing to bring you, anybody else agree with this, to bring you complete healing because he is Jehovah Rapha, he's a God of love. Is he not? He may not do it in our timetable, he may not do it the way that we want, but I have never seen a completely devoted follower of Jesus ever eventually be disappointed. They may have their moments, they may have their doubts, they may have their snapshot, but when they run the long journey with the one who created them, they will be able to stand up and give testimony and say, I know who my God liveth and I know that he is able and I have experienced it firsthand and I want you to experience it also. I wanna be in that crowd. Anybody else with me? Yeah? He is Jehovah Rapha. The key point is simply this. Healing is for everyone that believes. Healing is for everyone that believes. My prayer for you this morning truly is this. I prayed over all your seats. It takes a while. I prayed for you. And here's what I pray. God, may they truly, this so simple message, may they truly for, maybe it's for the first time, maybe it's for the first time in a long time, that they truly experience in their heart what it means to be loved by you. And that what I have just declared to you today is something that is for every single one of you. Now, here's what I already know what's happening. Some of you are already listening to the battle of the brain. This is good for everybody else, but this isn't good for me. 
because if you only knew my story, I may not know your story, but I know your God. Stop with accepting the lies. Hold on to truth, my friends, because whether you believe it or not, it doesn't change truth. And truth is not dependent on whether we agree with it or not. Isn't that good news? I can't tell you how many people that disagree with me, and I'm like, well, you can disagree all you want. That doesn't change truth, does it? Truth is truth whether I like it or not. And the truth I gave you today is good truth. It's truth about the God who declares to us today, may I want and know the love of God. Some of you today need to understand his daddiness. And I will declare to you that in a couple of weeks, we're gonna start a new series called Jesus and the Tough Stuff. You're gonna wanna be here. That if we can't declare that Jesus is involved in the nitty and the gritty and where the rubber meets the road, then what we're doing is a farce. But I believe Jesus can be in all of those areas. Anybody else? We're gonna be talking about that in January. But I'm here to declare that some of you need the daddiness of God. And he's saying, I'm waiting. Some of you need his power because you're overwhelmed. You need the El Shaddai. Some of you need to know that he sees you because you walk into a room. I know right here, right here. And nobody ever noticed you. And I'm sorry if we missed you. But it happens, doesn't it? Does it happen at KCC? Yeah. You walked in, you walked out, nobody acknowledged you. May it not be so here, but I can't control everybody. But what I ask is that today you would know that he sees you, Elroy sees you. Even if we fail as a church, he sees you every moment of every time. His provision is real. Some of you need his provision. Some of you are so overwhelmed, he needs to be your banner. Some of you need his peace. And some of us need his healing. Well, that's what Christmas is all about. That's what that candle is all about, his love. And I just gave you just simple, I could keep going on with the names of God, but I just gave you seven simple names that describe this is God. When we say God is love, this is what it looks like. I wonder today who needs that. All I can say to you from my own experience, I want more of his love in my life. I want, what I found out in my however many years I've served Jesus, I used to always laugh when preachers would get up and say how many years, and now I'm that preacher. However many years it's been since I've started to love Jesus, I know that today I want to love him more today. I do. Anybody else want to love him more today? Because the God that I know from the Bible and the God that I've experienced in my heart is this. It's just, when you get really, really close, it's just, a, just this much of him. We're just getting this much. And you, and you think, well, where'd you get that? The Bible says that. Do you know that? Corinthians says we see but a what? Poor reflection. And one day we'll see face to face. Oh, for that day when we'll see, when everything will make sense. I will declare to you that one day we will all, for those of us that stay faithful, we will declare to him, I have run the race, I have fought the fight, knowing that the reward is before me. And then all to hear those words, just to hear those words. Anybody know what words I'm wanting to hear today? And if you know what I'm talking about, you want to hear them true. You don't want to hear about how good you were. You don't want to hear about the titles that you got. You don't want to hear about the accomplishments and the money you made and how famous you were and how well accomplished you were and how great a dad you were or mom you were or churchman you were. You don't want to hear any of that. In that moment, the only thing that matters in that moment is when he looks at you face to face and he will see you and you will see him eye to eye and you want to hear those words 
words. Well done, my good and faithful servant. How many in the church of Jesus Christ want to hear those words one day? It's all we want to hear. But in the meantime, until we breathe our last breath, let's engage the God of love. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to bow your heads with me. Go ahead and bow. Lord Jesus, as we move into this moment, I'm asking now, you know, you have spoken to your children, and I'm asking today that you would bless each and every individual, whether they're online or whether they're in this place, that they would see the personalness of you, our God, and they could experience your love in a way that only you could do for them. And I pray right now you would speak into their lives and in their hearts, and I commit them to you right now. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I have a simple question for you. Who here today with the descriptions I gave you of who God is as love, you need one of those descriptions of God and you say, I need it today. One of those, his daddiness, his provision, his power, that he sees you, that he loves you, that he's your banner, that he is your peace, that he will, he's your healer. And you just might need one of those today and with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just stand wherever you're at um, so I can pray for you? I'm not calling you forward today. I just want to know if you need one of those today, you would just stand so I can pray for you. I'll give you a moment. I'll give you a moment. Lord Jesus, I pray for each and every life that is here. And you know those are online. And if you're online and you're standing, can you just type in, I'm standing, and our host will engage you. And I pray that you would be with every individual right here. You're so personal. You know exactly everything in their life. Would you truly touch them where they're at? Please, Lord, please touch them and do exactly what you need to do in their lives. Be that daddy that they need and powerfully show up in their lives right now. Engage them in a way that they truly can know that you're, you're a sufficient, engaging father. There are a lot of people standing, Lord. There's a lot of need. Thank you that you are love and that your love is available for everybody. Would you just take a moment and receive it right now? Go ahead. This is your moment. Go ahead, just receive it. Receive it in Jesus' name, can you? Just receive it. Tell them in Jesus' name. See the cry of your children, oh God. See the cry of your children. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.